This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. And I didn't even know this, but my wife shared with me that um, when she was little, her first memory is that she had three front teeth, apparently. And she had to get them surgically, oh, one of them surgically removed because she never had stitches in her mouth. All three. All, all three. Oh, yeah, like a beaver. She's like a beaver. <laughs> I love the beaver. <laughs> awesome. So we, we heard other people's stories. Now, I would, if I was a mean guy or, you know, just kind of a little, you know, contrary, I, I would say, um, Prove it. Like, can we prove this memory? Can anyone come up and prove that event, that historical act happened? Anyone have it recorded? Oh, you have it recorded? No, my mom does. Your mom can tell us. Anybody else? We have a witness. You have a picture. Winner! <laughs> Winner! So the, the challenge with us locking in on the history is it's hard to prove, period. Uh, I grew up in a, uh, around the 90s, I think was the movie when it came out, a movie called Braveheart came out. Anybody always reference Braveheart, right? Oh, yeah. Braveheart. And I, I remember watching the movie for the first time, and one of the first scenes I remember of the movie 
uh, it was a, the, the former, the future king of Scotland said, history is written by who? Those that have hanged heroes. And it made me take a pause like, wow, is that, is that true? But when we think about, we think about history, this is a funny quote I found. It says, history, now, an account mostly false, of events mostly unimportant, which are brought out by rulers, mostly enemies, and soldiers, and mostly fools. Now, now obviously he's being facetious, but, but you know, what, what is history? And the, the problem is, there's so many different interpretations of history that how can we lock in to say this is objectively true? We can say this event happened, we know without a shadow of a doubt. It's hard. It's really hard. Today we have something called revisionist history where they're going back to American history and reinterpreting some of the historical stories we grew up thinking that was objectively true. And now people are trying to figure out well, what is true and what, what is not. Who knows how history will be told about America 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 100 years from now. Who determines what this story is? And that's why I'm here today to say that God has given us the ability to trust Him through history. We, we just watched a video regarding Daniel. And the reason why that video is so important because it is amazing. When you go through Daniel, if you, if you go through the detail, you'll see there are certain events in there that happen that are so accurate that scholars who disbelieve the Bible say, well, what really happened is somebody actually wrote what had already happened, put it in Daniel as though it was predicting what was going to happen because it's just so accurate. The problem is that when you get toward the end of Daniel, it talks about the, the 70 weeks predicting when Jesus Christ or the Messiah would come to Israel. It is accurate to the very day Jesus rode the donkey into Jerusalem. It's that accurate. Daniel talks about Alexander and the people, the kings who would take over after Alexander, which was hundreds of years after his life. So we look at the book of Daniel, we see probably one of the most historically accurate books ever written. And it was prophetic. It was, it was before the actual events took place. So when you think about the Bible, you have to ask yourself, can you trust history? There was a time I was afraid of the scriptures because I was afraid of someone telling me it wasn't accurate. So I was, I'd hide from it. And school people would start to talk about the Bible and this, you know, the errors in it. Like, oh, I need to run from that conversation because I don't have confidence that it's actually historically accurate. And today, there are pastors out there today who are saying, well, you don't have to believe the Old Testament because, of course, it's mythological, it's, there has a lot of anecdote in it, it's, it's not actually history. But what, what started happening throughout time, people who believed in the Bible began to actually research the history and they began to see that it was more accurate than what people were led to believe. There are men who went to disprove the Bible as atheists who ended up getting saved because the Bible was right. The problem is a lot of people trust the word of man over the word of God. I always talk about this, about evolution and the influence of evolution on our society. 
And when you think about evolution, we don't understand it's the underpinning of our culture. We vote based upon our worldview of evolution. Why is that important? Because if you don't believe there is a God, you believe that humanity is evolving, then your decisions regarding how you vote, how you interact with people, the way you value life, changes. But if you think that this book called the Bible is just myths that people can interpret any way they want, then you don't have to believe it's true. And if you don't believe the Bible is true, you don't have to do what it says. And my job as a pastor is to tell you it's true, it's all true. But the implications of the truth are what you have to wrestle with as a person. I can tell you a story about my past and show you videos. Currently, I tell my kids how I played football for the Vikings and all the touchdowns I scored, <laughs> interceptions I had. But now there's something called YouTube and people are posting the games. So I gotta kind of change those stories of, oh, The Bible is all true. There was a time in history, in American history, where seminary pastors after the Civil War, Southern pastors, would not go to the North in order to learn about God, to go to seminary. So they went over to Germany to understand the Bible and understand how God is speaking through the Bible. But lo and behold, they didn't know at that time in Germany that there were scholars who were doubting the validity of the Scriptures. And what happened during that time was these German scholars who were starting to critique the Bible, these individuals who weren't saved, began to insist breaking down what most people thought was objectively true, that the Bible was right. And now, doubt crept in the church. And these pastors who were trained in Germany came back to America and began to preach. And it split, it split a variety of denominations. It split them because there were some people who said, are you telling me the Bible's not accurate? Now, there are people who say, well, if the Bible's not accurate, then I don't even know how, I'm not going to believe any of it. And there's other people who say, well, it can be inaccurate because my faith is not in the Bible anyway. I'm not here to wrestle that point with you. I'm here to say this. The Bible is trustworthy, not because of its authors, but because of the God who preserved what was written down. Amen. History is God's story. And you can trust what's in the Bible. Israel is the clock of the universe. And if you want to know what's going to happen, look at Israel. Why do I say this? There was a time when people looked at Israel, and it wasn't a nation yet. It was around the 1900s. And commentaries at that time said, well, even though Israel isn't a real country now, God meant symbolically when he was referring to Israel's return. So almost 90% of scholars and scholarship around 1900 did not think Israel would be a literal country again. But there were a couple that did. One of those individuals who professed that Israel would be a country, it was John Hagee's father. I don't know if you know who John Hagee is, but his dad believed without a shadow of a doubt that Israel one day would be a country again. And because of his faithfulness and what happened in 1947 and on, when Israel became a nation again in a day, built up the faith of his son, John Haney Jr. Hmm. And now he's such a powerful man for God because he trusted, even though he couldn't see it, he trusted that God's word was accurate. Now look at the ministry he has because of his faith, because of the faith of his father.
What am I trying to tell you today? You can trust God's word. There's a biblical reference to a third temple. This is something that is not, we can talk about this all day. There's a third temple coming. And the only thing I'll tell you as a pastor is once you see the third temple come up in Israel, it's go time. The game changes. But the problem with the third temple come up is what? The second holiest site in the whole Islamic world is at the very spot the third temple is supposed to be. So people, we say today right now, there is no way a third temple is coming. I'm just going to say this. God is trustworthy. In the scriptures, he said a third temple is coming. And I'm going to side on God's side, who says, you know what? I'm in control of history. One day a third temple is coming. And when it does, you understand the times we're now living in. Understand the times. Trust God's clock. Trust God's history. We are in Christmas season. We've got a good point. I want to focus on today's just really about history. But nevertheless, we're covering Luke. Anybody know what Luke's profession was? Say it one more time. Say it one more time. Talk doctor, physician, and hand to hand story. So, so Luke is a doctor, physician, historian. He's educated. Now, when you go into the Gospel of Luke, which audience is he writing to? He's writing to Greeks. So understand, during the time of Roman, the, the whole Bible backdrop is Rome. So every time you look at the Bible, somehow Roman culture is influencing the Bible. Jesus was crucified in a Roman way. Everything that happened in Jesus' day had to deal with Rome. So the lingua francata, or the common language of the day, just like America's, I mean, English is now, I think maybe China will be in a couple years, but nevertheless, the lingua francata of the day, the common language was Greek. So when Luke is writing his gospel, he's writing to Greek people. Why is that important? Because the rest of the world didn't think they were included with the Jewish God. So think about it. Israel rejected most of Jesus' teaching because they're here. Are you telling me that the Gentiles can be saved? Why is that so mind-blowing? Because if you think about the gods in the Old Testament, all of them were polytheistic. There were many gods. Israel had the first god in history that was monotheistic. Also, gods in that day and time were very political. Also, gods during that day and time were ethnic. So when you had a god, remember it was Plato, he was killed, right? Because he no longer worshipped the Athenian gods. So when you look at the Old Testament, you see all these different gods. A god was also commiserate to a people with a political ideology. So when the Jews are hearing from Jesus that God is letting everybody into their faith, they're thinking, are you trying to tell me our identity is going to be lost? Pride rose up. And they said, God forbid that. Go back and look at most of the parables. The parable of the prodigal son. Anybody know that story? The prodigal son, who do you think is Israel? It's the older son. Who is the prodigal son? It's the Gentiles. They went away. What a living. That sounds like my life. Come back to God. And what was the oldest son's response? He was like, you're trying to tell me that these people, 
this man is going to have a right to inheritance after how they treated you? The Gentiles, because of Jesus Christ's sacrifice for the world, now have access to God. Jesus Christ came so that every race of people could have access to God's kingdom. That's what Christmas is about. Here Luke is the one person in the Bible who says, I wrote these things down accurately so that you, the Gentile mind, can believe the gospel. Now this is what's fun. This is why I went to Daniel first. Because Daniel should blow your mind. This is like, this history is amazing. I mean, it, when I read Daniel and understood what it was really saying, I worship God. I'm like, God, you have to be in control of all things. To know what was going to happen in the end, from the beginning, God, you are master. You are Lord. But we get here to, to Luke, the doctor, the guy who says he's writing it accurately, and we find Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, is considered the most discredited scriptures in all the Bible. <laughs> These scriptures, for most scholars say, are completely off. There is so much inaccuracy here that scholars say you can't prove the Bible is accurate because of what happens here in Luke. And Luke is the one guy who said, I wrote them all correctly. This, you go to, you look up Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7 right now on Google. Look it up right now, and it'll show you how off, 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 inaccurate. And what are we to say about this? Now, if you believe the scholars, you'll say, oh, the Bible's not really accurate, it's just a myth. And, and then you have a pastor who just interprets it the way he wants to. But if you believe God is in control of history, you trust what God says despite what the critics say. Because critics have known to be wrong. God hasn't been wrong yet. The problem is time. It just takes time. There was a time we didn't have an argument in the church regarding evolution. So we just believed everything Darwin said. Despite the term irreducible complexity, now, which we now have, for decades, people just fell headlong into believing that everything Darwin said was the truth. So many people's faith was shipwrecked because of a man who didn't believe God, who made assumptions and turned those assumptions, convinced people those assumptions were fact. I'm here to tell you today that this is fact. Despite how many times you go to Google and look this up, there are arguments contrary to this that oppose it. But I don't need those arguments to believe that what God says is truth. My hope for you today is that you believe what God says is truth, regardless of what the arguments say. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 3. I didn't go all the way to 7 because they didn't need every scripture I said is broken down. Most scholars believe every part is wrong. I just want to cover a couple of points today so you realize God's word is faithful. God's word is true. Chapter 2. It says, and it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, when you're reading that and not knowing the history, you just say, oh, that's easy. You start going to Google, you start hearing Caesar Augustus never issued this decree. As a matter of fact, he never issued a decree that all the world should be registered. 
And if you go to the rest of the Wikipedias and all those, you'll be able to see, oh my goodness, this is inaccurate. And your faith could be shipwrecked right there. But the problem is sometimes language. For instance, this were all the world right here. And who has an NIV Bible? If you have an NIV Bible, it says right here, it says all the Roman world. And in the original, there's no Roman there. The interpreter added that in there to try to help you understand what was being communicated. Let me go further. This world world right here is not translated in Greek cosmos. It's a different world entirely. Truth be told, what this is saying is all of the area of Israel, all the land. Another point, this decree was made here. Quirinius was governor. What's the problem? When Quirinius was governor, there was no census taken. So you're like, wait a minute, what's happening? This is all wrong. Flee for the hills. But calm down. Because you find now we do a little bit of studying that this census first took place when he was governor of Syria, but it wasn't enacted until decades later in the area of Judah and Israel. The point I'm trying to make is, there's a couple of points here. Caesar Augustus, he never issued this decree to all the world. He did issue the decree, but it was specifically to a specific place, which was in Israel. Because Israel, at the time, had fallen out of favor with Rome. It took years for this decree to happen. Matter of fact, decades. And finally, when it got to Jesus' birth, it was implemented. If you don't know that information... You know some history, you'll see this scripture right here, and you'll say the Bible is off. But when you dig a little bit deeper, coming from the presupposition that God is in control of all history, you'll come to the right conclusion. I got one more thing to say, and then we'll jump into a couple points. There was a gentleman whose name is William Ramsey. Anybody remember him? Sir William Ramsey was an atheist. I referenced him earlier, didn't say his name. He didn't believe in God. So he went out to disprove that Jesus Christ was really a man that existed. Now, Jared, Greg and I, as I continue to say here at this church, can tell you that we went to Jesus' homeland. We can tell you where the cross was. We can tell you how to smell. We can tell you about old Israel. We can tell you all that stuff. We didn't see Jesus, I'm sorry to say. But we saw all the other acts. So, so the Bible is just not a book written. It's not a fairy tale. It's, it's referencing reality. Your chance is trusting that God has revealed reality. That gives him glory. William Ramsey went to disprove the Bible, and he came back a believer. A couple points he made. Number one. He said, it was alleged that Luke erred in assigning Bethlehem of Judea as the birthplace of Christ. He said, there was obviously a Bethlehem of Zebulun and Galilee, but he must have been wrong thinking he knew where Jesus was really born at. Now, the critics are wrong because the Old Testament prophesied the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And also, the Hebrew people also entertained that expectation. Furthermore, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, as an independent writer, confirmed that Jesus was born in southern Bethlehem. Next point. It was charged that Luke had erred in suggesting that all the world, 
was to be enrolled. But the Greek word for world is oikonomi, not cosmos, as in John chapter 3, verse 16, which signifies the Roman Empire or the land of Israel. Last one I'm going to make. The critics argue that since Herod the Great was king over Judah, the Jews of that region would not have been subjected to Roman taxation. However, Herod was only a vassal king, and he was disposed of his throne in A.D. 6. The Roman leaders were appointed to administrate the affairs of the country. What's the point I'm trying to make? This man eventually proved every argument to be invalid against this scripture, which is the most controversial scripture in all of the Bible. There are people today that when you try to say, I believe the Bible is God's word, they'll take you right here. But understand, as my wife says, trust and know there's a lot of arguments that can help support your belief that God's word is trustworthy. Do you have to believe God's word is trustworthy to enter the kingdom of heaven? I don't think so. But you do have to believe in Jesus Christ. And you learn about Jesus Christ through his Holy Spirit. But his Holy Spirit references God's word. So the man on the cross, when he died, he didn't get baptized. He didn't know scripture, one. But he trusted Jesus Christ the day he died and entered paradise immediately. Does that make sense, everybody? We kind of went a little academic. I'm sorry. I thought it was important. Let's go into some points and we're done for the day. Number one, our faith is history. That's a tough statement for you to process. I can tell you right now, my, the day I was married, I can tell you about all the events. You can go look it up on YouTube. That means it's real, right? Because it's on YouTube. I posted it on Facebook. That means it's even realer, right? My superlatives will get worse and worse. But nevertheless, you know these are facts because it's shown in some media fashion today. We trust the media more than we trust books today. We trust the media more than books today. We trust Facebook more than the news. So how are we to trust in God's word? How are we to trust that God is the Lord of all history? You have to spend time with him. This is what this church is about. Our hope here is that you spend time with the Lord. It's all about intimacy and trust. If you're not spending time with God, it's hard to trust him. It's impossible. That's why we tell you to fast, pray, study your word, go to church. Do those things that help you get closer to God. Because there will be a time in all of our lives. If the rapture does not come, it will be our last day. One day will be our last day. And on that day, my hope as a pastor is I prepared you for that day. Anybody saw what happened to uh, Kareem Hunt, a Kansas City Chief football player? He, was, he was, had him on video kicking a girl who had slapped him. And because it's on video, he's done. He's, he's out of the NFL right now. Done. We can't present that information to you in video format about God. We can't do it. You have to trust what God says is objectively true. That's your challenge. And intimacy allows you to do that. We're not going to have every point of the scriptures on Facebook. 
It'll never happen. Even though I, you may even see a miracle. Well, my wife was healed here. Remember, do you remember that? Like my wife was healed at this church and came back and she was, she was no longer in the wheelchair. People were like, what happened? And we were like, God healed her. And people were like, well, she wasn't really hurt. I'm like, look, I was at home. I was cooking. You know something went right. <laughs> you know we were in trouble for six months. Like, no, and we survived. Thank you, Lord. That's the miracle. For six months, I was cooking. We were in not heaven for six months, and the Lord did the miracle. And she got up and cooked right away. <laughs> Jubilee. But even though that happened, we, people still question it. They doubt its validity. When will you be convinced that what God's saying is true? What needs to happen? Is Daniel enough? Accurate history verifies the scriptures. They just found Pontius Pilate's ring. You saw that, was it this week? They just found his ring. They found it, his ring. So we know... He's a real person. Like, how many more do you got to get? I don't know. At what point will you be convinced to the point where you can wholeheartedly give your life to Jesus? What does he have to do before you trust him? Place your confidence in our God who controls history. You know, the Bible is about Israel, but there's a book in heaven that has our life in it, the book of life. And I trust God is in control of history. There's a, there's a theology, it's called um, open theism. Anybody have heard of that? The open theists say that God doesn't know the future. You know why they say that? Because they have a hard time reconciling God being a good and loving God, yet evil happening on the earth. And I'm the type of person, I say, well, God is so powerful that he could be good and loving, yet evil still happened on the earth. That's how I believe. But I trust that God knows tomorrow. There was one time, I always give this story, I was trying to get into this university, Reese University, my graduate degree, and they told me to write this letter. And, and I didn't read the instructions clearly. So, so it, was, it was timed, I didn't know it. And I couldn't go back and edit it. So I started typing it out. Not knowing the instructions, because I, I just sometimes don't read instructions. I don't know what that is. I just don't like to read them. I like to figure it out as I go. Don't let my wife in here, so that's good. So as I'm typing it, I realized I looked over really quickly and read the instructions as I'm in the middle of the process. And I see it was time, no editing. So I said, oh, I could just start over. And it said at the bottom, no starting over. I'm, now I'm weeping now. I'm like, no, Lord God, I'm not going to get into school. This writing is so horrible, horrific. Now you may say, well, my goodness, like just, just start over. I said, I can't start ministry wrong. Like if I have to sin to get in here, it ain't meant for me to be there. That's how I think about ministry. If I have to cheat to do God's will, that ain't God. So I said, I'm going to turn this paper in just as I wrote it. And if they reject me, not my will, but King James, thine will be done. Right? I threw the King James in there, right? So I turned it in. 
Got a letter back saying, oh, you've made it, great credentials, but your writing needs some work. <laughs> I said, baby, you got crying, I made it. Why did I end up that way? Because I believe God controls history. I said to myself in the middle of that little emotional turmoil, God, you knew this day was going to happen. Have you ever had to do that? In the middle of your storm where you're betwixt, you don't know what to do. Just say to yourself, God, you knew this day was going to happen. You knew this moment was going to happen. So right now I'm choosing you to trust you. You'll never go wrong doing that. Why do we need to place our confidence in God so that we'll understand where security comes from? My security comes from God. I've made so many mistakes in life. I'm telling you, I'm trying to hear God every day what to do the right thing. I get it wrong. I thought the Packers were going to lose horribly. They did. So I was right there. But then they got, we got beat up by the Bears. And Leo, Leo wasn't in church. So I was happy, right? So I was like, yeah, God, there is a Lord. There's a God. <laughs> he can brag. Right? I, I don't know the future. Nobody does. It's just the Spirit of God that knows the future. But if you don't spend time with God, you won't be able to trust Him even when things happen His way. You could, you could discredit, discount and justify every single action on the earth. God, I didn't really know that was you, so I just, I did it my way. We're, and we're nine, you could release the kids. History is his story, not ours. I could have brought up any history book today and said, look at this, look at this, look at this great events, but, but this isn't God's story. And my hope is you understand your life is tied into God's story. The gospel is part of your story. And in history, you'll be known for the role you played in God's story. Point is, you trust him enough to end up on his side of the story. Remember, over time, history has consistently proven God to be right. He always tell people when they're struggling in marriage, hang on. Keep putting God first. It'll work out. You tell people going through a storm, hang on, trust God. Keep doing the right thing. It'll work out. There's a saying I heard in this movie called Finding Nemo. And I think it was about a lady fish named Dory. You remember what she was saying? What she said over and over? Keep on swimming, keep on swimming, keep on swimming. There's hard days ahead for all of us. There's also some good days. Don't hold your heart so tight that you can't be hurt by anything. That's not how life is to be lived. You've been hurt in the past, so have I. I'm saying, trust God. Make yourself vulnerable to his plans for your life. He's good. He loves you. Don't worry about the negative. There's a lot of negative out there. God tells us the thing about whatever is good, just, lovely, virtuous. If it's deserving of praise, he says, think on these things. God is in control. He's got to trust him. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. I give you all my heart. Give you all my heart. I 
give you all.